Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste 360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. This is Liz Bothwell from Waste 360 with John Hanselman, CEO of Vanguard Renewables. Welcome, John, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Liz. It's like to be here. Please tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in this fascinating industry. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any um, direct lineage that you can actually tie to food waste recycling, uh, but <laughs> I, I spent uh, about a decade prior to starting Vanguard uh, doing solar development. Um, and we kind of started in the early days of solar and, and tried to unwind how to get renewable energy systems working and tied into the grid. And after we'd, we'd kind of gotten solar and the ent- entire solar uh, community kind of moved into a stable and um, functional system, uh, I got a little bored. And so I started looking for the next challenge and um, didn't quite understand exactly how big a challenge it was going to be, but uh, saw food waste recycling and specifically um, using European technologies uh, for anaerobic digestion. And that was the pathway that we took. And uh, we've been doing that for the last six years. And I think we're, we're finally getting it to, to a functional business. Oh, that's great. So it seems farming today needs to be all about innovation and, and those that do it well survive and thrive. And it sounds like, obviously, you're following Europe's lead. Is anyone else doing it well or better than we are at this point? So there is Europe and um, the UK, I think, have all done a, a wonderful job. Now, they've, they've got lots of things that we don't have, um, like federal energy policies that incentivize renewables and um, federal policies that incentivize farms uh, to do food waste recovery. Um, so they've got, they've got a big advantage on us. Um, and certainly the UK has, has done a remarkable job in the last 10 years. So the Germans and the Dutch and the Danes kind of started all of this 20 plus years ago. Um, and there were a lot of drivers, uh, not the least of which is that most of those guys got the vast majority of their natural gas um, from the Russians, um, which I think is a fairly precarious position. Uh, So they wanted to create local uh, generators of natural gas, which is what you end up with when you recycle food waste. Um, So they they built a pretty pretty neat system, and, and I think the government was helping out a lot. We, we don't get a lot of government subsidies, um, hardly any, um, even less than the solar and wind industries. So we had to kind of do it on our own. But um, it's been really neat to see how, as you said, and you're correct, um, Americans' farmers, especially America's dairy industry, is under phenomenal stress, and being able to help um, the farms be more independent and self-sufficient has been one of the real great joys of what we're doing. Oh, that's fantastic. And you, and you have said that you started as an energy company and then you've, you've realized <laughs> that supporting the American farm has become a real driving force for you guys. It, yeah, it is. And it was, you know, we thought we were a renewable energy business that happened 
to recycle um, food waste as our fuel um, on farms. And, and what we've actually, we were 100% wrong. Uh, we're actually a food waste recycling business um, that is 100% farm-based, um, and we happen to make renewable energy as a byproduct. So we were right idea, uh, wrong end of the chain. Right. <laughs> now, in your experience, can, can any type of farm or size of farm do this, or are there limitations? There are some limitations. Um, we need a, a kind of base level of manure um, to help continually repopulate the, the, the bug pod. So the way the system works is, is we have these neat little microbes called methanogens that eat the food waste and emit the, the methane, which is the renewable natural gas. Um, and to keep that population happy and stable, there's kind of a core amount of um, manure that we like to have in the digester. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, we're, we're now down to, I think our, our smallest farm is about 250 milking head. Um, so it's pretty small for American farms. Sure. Um, so starting in New England where the, the farms are generally much smaller than Wisconsin or California or, or Idaho, uh, where they've got huge kind of massive farms. We kind of started on the tougher side. Um, and as it, it gets easier and easier as you get on bigger farms. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now, do you think farm-based anaerobic digestion is, is ready to scale right now? Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's it was... Uh, I would say five years ago, we were hopeful, um, and we certainly got a lot of black eyes and some, some good learning um, along the way, but um, it's, it's very, I, I think we now understand what we have to do, and um, it's a very integrated process, mm-hmm. um, much more so than we thought. Um, you've, you really have to partner with the hauling community and partner with our farm hosts and partner with the utilities, so it requires a whole lot of of logistics and integration, um, and then an enormous amount of education to our the food waste generators, and some real learning on our side. You know, we we kind of thought everybody would see the light and and kind of come running with their food waste. Um, <laughs> that never happened, and we kind of figured everybody would be really great about removing the non-food waste components, the contaminants. Um, from the stuff they'd send us, and that didn't really happen either. So we've had to make a whole lot of modifications on our side and build a much more kind of vertically integrated system Mm -hmm. to handle the contaminants and handle the variety of food waste that we get. And you said that you've taken a a really hard data-driven approach to this, and could you tell us a little bit more about that? And and is that a competitive advantage, and do you think that's why you're succeeding where others have, have failed in this area? It is. And I think, you know, we, we early on, you know, I, I came from the solar world and the technology world before that. And using data has always been kind of core to our, our businesses. And the, the thing that we found out in running anaerobic digesters is there wasn't a lot of good data in the U.S. about the production conversion rates, how you, you know, what food created what byproducts, um, you know, how volatile the systems might be, um, and then an awful lot of the mechanics of actually taking that renewable natural gas as it comes out of the the digester, which is 
um, very wet and, and with other byproducts in it and saying, okay, how do we, what's the best way to turn this into energy? Um, and that's been um, really good. So I think early on, we probably overdid it. Um, and we're collecting data at a level that probably seemed a little goofy for, you know, a couple of little funky uh, farm-based digesters. But it, that's actually turned out to be our salvation because um, I think we now know as much as anybody about what we can put in, when we put it in. We've changed our technologies um, pretty significantly from our first two digesters um, to the last three that we've built are, are almost not recognizable as the same uh, machines. And we did that because we really started to understand that, that you really needed to know and you had to have a much better control and segmentation on the whole chemical process. Um, you know, there's, I'm, I know more about, about food chemistry than I ever thought I would. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Some things I didn't want to know, actually, but that's, that's a different podcast. But right. We probably wouldn't want to do that today. <laughs> Hey, you never know. We could revisit that. That's right. <laughs> now, do you see yourself as a perpetual landfill for organics at this point? Yeah, I think we do. As a solution to, especially in, in the Northeast, where we're under such unbelievable pressure for um, closure of landfills, um, it's pretty exciting to have one that just keeps going. Um, and granted, we're we're much smaller in capacity than, than a real uh, landfill, but mm-hmm. we... We certainly, you know, we can take, uh, if I guess the, the standard metric these days, people say there's 40% of the weight in waste is, is organics. Um, we imagine we can probably get half or two-thirds of that out uh, and into our system. That's, that's a significant impact. Yes. That matters. That does matter. So how successful have you been in helping haulers turn waste into high-value renewable energy? I think pretty successful. It's, it's certainly the, the behavioral change is really hard. Yes. Uh, I think for everybody. And, and we're also such a small portion initially of any hauler's business that I think, you know, to their credit, um, it's retraining their staff. Then you've got to go retrain your customers. Um, it's a small portion of the business. And is it really cost effective or important for them to do? And I, and I think, for the longest time, a lot of it was our education and just sitting with our hauling partners and saying, hey, guys, we think this is a very sexy part of your business um, because of the renewables. It's something that more and more of your customers would like to see. Certainly within the food industry, um, that transparency of where is the waste going is something that that we're, we see as a demand over and over again um, and is something that I think a lot of folks in the hauling community have tried to kind of push back um, and, and not have to do um, for obvious reasons. It's expensive. It costs time and energy and, and it's not historically something they've done. Um, but I think when you look at, you know, kind of the, the leaders, the folks who are really out there leading the food industry, whether it's on the manufacturer's side um, or the um, uh, retail side, those folks are all looking for transparency. They want to know where their waste goes. They want to know. First, they're looking real carefully at where does your inbound um, product come from. You know, you've, we've all been into those restaurants where they've got the list on the wall of all the farms that have sent uh, the products in that day. 
and uh, which, you know, where your lettuce is coming from and where your tomatoes are coming from. Um, I think it's as important to those, those people to see where the food goes and to know that it's, it's going to beneficial reuse um, is really cool. And I think that's, that's our hook, right. which is to say, Hey, this is, this is a neat product. It's a differentiator. If you do this, it's something that, that your competitors may or may not actually be doing. Right. Um, and we're very lucky when we have wonderful um, partners like Whole Foods um, or the Patriots uh, who've actually taken a lot of effort to get the food waste out of their waste streams and to us and kind of leading by example. And speaking of that, can you share any stories around the Patriots or Whole Foods or I, sure, I, sure. MGM, yeah, any I think, of the regen- waste generators you're working with? Yeah, um, Whole Foods is a, is a is wonderful, and they're they were probably one of our earliest customers. Um, they very much looked at their mission, um, looked at that whole concept of transparency and accountability, um, looked at the waste that they were generating, and and really looked how do we recycle everything that comes out of the back end. Um, which, as someone who spends a lot of money at Whole Foods, I'm really really glad that they actually <laughs> they actually you know walk the walk and and, and not just talk the talk. Um, but they came to us and said, you know, how do we want to do this? Um, we ended up, um, they ended up actually, uh, installing, um, a grinding system, uh, the grind energy system that's, that's actually in their stores. Um, I think we now have, we take the waste from about 40 whole foods, uh, in new England. And, um, I think at least half of those already have converted over to this in-store grinding. So we actually, show up with a, a tanker, um, pump out a, a tank that we built for them on site um, and take that straight out to our digesters. And that's, that's been really neat. Um, and that's something that's very successful for them. Um, a lot less odor, a lot less um, vector issues and nuisance issues and, and something that's a, it's a very efficient system for us for collection. Um, we've got little, a remote monitor that actually calls us when the tank gets um, full and we can send out the tanker and grab it. So even as they have seasonal or daily or weekly um, changes, uh, we can accommodate that. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Wow. And they're, it's a really, really neat system. And the Patriots are, are very, very similar. I think they put in the same exact grinding system um, and have been progressively moving through the stadium. We started up in the the um, luxury boxes, and then we're now moving down into the um, concession stands. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's been neat. And again, folks who've kind of taken their as their as part of their mission statement and have braced um, farm powered um, as as part of their one of their core values uh, and that that recycling of of all their products. Um, those are great customers for us. Oh, I bet. And then you know, speaking of that, with with the world kind of changing and, and a lot of big companies focusing on per, purpose and profit um, as part of, of their mission, are, are you getting more interest at this point? We are. Yeah, we, we, we get more and more um, folks in the, in the manufacturing sector who are trying to be accountable for their, for their waste. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's wonderful and exciting for us. And we can actually give them back exactly, as you said, the, the purpose and profit, um, we can tell them exactly how much renewable energy they made 
from each ton of food waste they send us. And we can talk about the equivalencies. You know, you, it was the equivalent of taking uh, a thousand cars off the highway this year or planting um, 50,000 trees. Um, and that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing for them to be able to then communicate to their customers. Right. And I, and I think that's part of what makes your model so interesting is that you have completely flipped it. And it's, yes, you are doing good in the world, but also here's why it matters to you as a business. I think from what I've seen, you're doing that with the farmers and now you're also doing it with the waste generators as well, because at the end of the day, it is a business for these people as well. And, and you're proving black and white that this works for them, which is fantastic. It's absolutely true. You know, we can, because we have the energy component, we can make it a cost-effective solution. So they can pay less than, and again, easier up here in the Northeast where we've got really high disposal rates. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can actually give them cost savings on the disposal and give them this, this really neat uh, environmental credits that right. they can then talk to all of their their customers and say, hey, you know, it's not just getting thrown into a landfill. It's not just getting um, chucked out uh, on the side of the road. We're actually doing something that, that's good for the planet. Right. So what, do you, what are you seeing as some of the barriers to slow, the slow <laughs> adoption of, you know, larger scale organics recycling? I, I think there are two big challenges. Um, the first one, you know, what, what do they say in real estate? It's location, location, location. And uh-huh. in, in food waste recycling, it's contaminants, contaminants, contaminants. Uh-huh. Um, that the, the packaging, the forks and knives and plates and other things that show up, um, and we, do, we get some pretty weird things uh, in different loads, but the, the, the stuff that's unintended. And when we originally started, our digesters were very, very finicky, um, and we really couldn't take any contaminants. Uh, and that limited our ability to, to service the industry. And we've had to make a lot of changes internally. Uh, we're building our very first depackaging facility uh, right now, where we're going to take stuff, a, a yogurt cup, a ice cream container, um, and uh, extract the organics, and then recycle all of the packaging materials. Uh, and that that's a huge project for us, but something that we decided we really needed that level for a vertical integration because imagining that our customers are going to be able to remove all the issues of, of packaging and contaminants um, probably really limits, uh, not probably, but absolutely limits the, the number of people that we can service. Um, so that's, that's kind of first and foremost. Um, the second part that's really challenging is the behavioral change that has to happen at the customer side. Um, and this is probably more directed at the smaller generators, the restaurants, uh-huh. hospitals, hotels. Um, and there you have to train staff to separate the organics into a, into a different bin. Um, and that's always challenging. Um, there's a lot of turnover, you're training staff to do a lot of, of tasks. And I think it's been the major impediment that we've seen is that people just don't want to take another training task into a new employee orientation. Um, and the folks who are dealing with the waste are usually the entry-level folks who have the highest turnover, who 
um, who are going through a whole lot of other training simultaneously. And this is one more thing. Um, I think we feel confident that it can happen. If you look at the way cardboard recycling was adopted, mm -hmm. um, I think it's really analogous to where we are. Um, the, you wouldn't have thought 30 or 40 years ago that you would ever have a separate baler for cardboard um, and that somebody would come and pick that up. Um, now it's commonplace. Um, first, obviously, we, there was legislative change and regulatory change that made, uh, at least in most of the states in New England, you know, you've got to do the, the cardboard recycling. Um, but it became also cost effective. And I think when those two kind of mesh, uh, you then have a, a great step forward. You know, we have the regulatory and the legal requirement for organic recycling now in Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York is moving that way, as is uh, New Jersey, um, and certainly California and, and other states as well. Um, that is kind of your first push. Um, if you can combine that with uh, cost savings, I think that's when you start to see real change across the entire market. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Well, and you mentioned Europe and how they are helped a lot by government. And I'm sure the fact that federal tax credits for renewable energy projects dropped in aerobic digestion after 2016, <laughs> I'm sure that's not helping the cause. But that was not that was not a big help. Yeah, we we were we were uh, we were very surprised and and really disappointed that that the um, uh, Congress decided that we were no longer a priority in 2016. That was, I think, something that we would love them to rethink uh, in the future. But it was, we've been able to make do, okay. um, and we've been able to kind of reset our economics. Uh, having a 30% tax credit that the wind and the um, solar guys get would be really great. Certainly would help. Uh, but, on you know, we're, we've, we've made it happen even in the absence of that oh that's great certainly if we if we were ever to re-get it if the congress uh saw in their wisdom to to return us to a tax credit status we would be delighted um but um i guess we're we're plugging along without it okay well that's impressive <laughs> yeah it was definitely that was not a great day <laughs> now is there anything happening like the new farm bills incentives what does any of that help or is it not quite there unfortunately no okay no there's i, I think we're we're trying hard. Um, the things, the, the real key drivers, um, the California low carbon fuel standard has been an amazing uh, incentive. And so California has kind of jumped way ahead of the, the federal government, mm -hmm. as they, they often do with renewables. And certainly they, they started out the whole solar um, world by doing that. <clears throat> They've made that low carbon fuel standard. And that's, that has driven a lot of folks into manure recycling. Um, because of the technical complexities, it doesn't really apply to food waste um, yet uh, in May. But at the moment, uh, you can't sell food waste-derived renewable natural gas into the California market um, for any profit. Um, so it's, it's kind of left us out in that one. But um, certainly manure recovery is, is going uh, gangbusters these days. It sounds like it. So Vanguard was named the 2018 Organics Recycle of the Year by the NWRA. Congrats. Thank you. It was, it was a, a great joy and surprise to us. We were, uh, we were delighted to get it, a little, little, uh, little surprise, but it, it was really uh, 
felt amazing to get that level of recognition. Oh, I bet. I mean, you know, they, they said that it's recognized your contribution to farm-powered organics, recycling, and renewable energy, um, and the way that you're protecting the environment and advancing waste and recycling altogether. But what else do you think helped, helped you win this? Because I know you guys are kind of keeping your nose to the grindstone and working away and expanding, but what do you think helped I, I I think you know maybe a, a very high degree of masochism, uh, <laughs> no, but we we were I think we were we we showed that we were willing to take you know uh, many punches to the forehead. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's I think that what what the award recognized was that um, we did we worked really hard and and for a long time without a lot of of success, um, and I think. Uh, the, we, we're, we're very fortunate to have um, uh, long-term institutional funding that has been patient and has allowed us to learn and experiment and kind of come up with a program that actually works. Um, and I think that the, the award was, was recognizing you know, that, that sense that we didn't have to have immediate quarterly payoff. Um, and that's a huge competitive advantage that we had versus, I think, some, a, a large corporate um, entity trying to do this, I think would have a real hard time um, because it's it's this isn't something that that happens overnight. Right. Um, it's taken six years and it takes a lot of learning, and I think that that may be part of of, of what the the award was was kind of saying. Good for you guys for um, uh, hanging in there despite all of the the uh, the hard work. Right. Hey, persistence pays off, obviously. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, and I mean, it looks that way, but do, do you think your model proves that food waste recycling works? It, I think it does. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that's most exciting about what we're able to put together is that, that you know, there's, there's, and certainly we get a lot of help being in the Northeast, uh-huh. um, having high tipping fees as, as our comparison, um, having, a lot of folks who are really looking towards that that mission based issue of recycling and um, food waste uh, and that that all has come together but it's it's really i think it is something that is is a national platform now you can take this virtually to any market You're, there are going to be lots and lots of of specifics um, you know every market is a snowflake because you've got the the regulatory um, environment. You've got the food manufacturing environment. You've got the local consumer market, um, and those all will will modify how we will do this in different in different places. But I think it is something that is is now broadly um, applicable. It's a it's a business model that you can take to pretty much any major metro um, in the country and find a way to make it work. That's amazing. So, what's next for you? Where are you expanding? Uh, west and south. Um, we do have a group that is spending time looking at manure recovery for the, the low-carbon fuel standard. That's kind of a, a whole different side of the business. But for the core food waste, um, we're, we've expanded up. We're just starting construction in Vermont on a really exciting project where we are taking uh, – Vermont is going 100% organic recycling in 2020, so literally down to the household. Um, And so we are very fortunate to have a great farm uh, just outside of Middlebury, Vermont. Um, And we have worked with Vermont Gas and Middlebury College 
where 100% of uh, the energy that we're producing is going to replace 100% of the energy usage, the thermal energy usage uh, at Middlebury's campus um, and other Vermont gas customers um, who are looking to become 100% uh, renewable natural gas customers. So um, really neat, a very, a very different uh, approach. Um, we, in Massachusetts, we're making electricity from the renewable natural gas. Up there, we're doing straight uh, pipeline injection. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so a little, little different. Uh, and then we're in permitting for um, the Hudson River Valley of, of New York and moving down into Pennsylvania and south. Oh, makes sense. Well, yeah. and New York is ripe, I think, for, yes, for this. Yes, yes. I would say Manhattan and the greater New York metro is kind of the, uh, the holy grail of food waste. Yes. Well, you'll have to keep us posted as you enter and, and see. Now, will um, you approach the Eagles with your with their stadium, the Lincoln Absolutely. Financial? We're, 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 despite being a really devout uh, Patriots fan, um, <laughs> I am I am non-denominational when it comes to uh, other stadiums and their their food waste. We're we're an equal opportunity food waste recycler. Okay, very good. Because I'm a devout Eagles fan, just for the record. So, we if you want to talk about Super Bowl Fifty Two, we can, but that's fine. That's yeah, fine. Exactly. <laughs> we've got we've got some you know between the uh, Red Sox and the Patriots, we've got we've got lots of things, good years and bad years. Yes, well, many good. So, as as an older fellow, I I wear my Red Sox fandom as a um, a mark of of courage, but. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Pre-2004, it was a really, really bad, long stretch. <laughs> You've seen it all. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, that's, maybe that's why we're willing to stick in there with um, food waste for all the years. Oh, there you go. That's our next case study. We should Todd, actually... Todd, by example. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Red Sox could do it. Why not us? Right. <laughs> it's good. Grit is good. It helps yes. us here, too. <laughs> so you have 30 years of experience under your belt. So... If you can, share some of the biggest changes you've seen, considering you've come from such an environmental background. So whether it's technology or perceptions and behavior, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question in the, in the whole renewables world is that I think we started kind of as, as true believers, as people who um, really wanted to see renewables and recycling um, purely for the, the um, planetary benefit. And I think what's, what's been most exciting about solar and wind and now anaerobic digestion is that you see that, that this, is a bus- this is a good business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a good business not just for us, um, but for all of our customers. You know, we're, we're providing services that are rewarding for them but also are saving them money and i think the 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 biggest change i've seen over the last 30 years is the the doing good while doing well um is has been the most important change is that that you know subsidies and and we it was painful when we lost the the investment tax credit in 2016 but um pretty good learning on our part to say, Hey, look, you've got you, you know, subsidies aren't going to be there forever. Right. Um, they are fickle things and you should have a business that stands on its own two feet and doesn't require massive subsidies. And I think that that to me is the, is the biggest change across the renewables market 
and, and across recycling, which is if it isn't a viable business, it's probably not going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs to be a viable business um, without the tax incentives and without the, the kind of public subsidies because eventually people get tired of that right. and don't want to see those, those incentives you know, kind of continuously propping up an industry. And so um, it's, been, it's been very neat to see how we've changed um, globally as an industry and how as and, – and, and part of it is you needed some help in the early days to learn the technology, to make it cheaper, um, to make it cost-effective because when it's at prototype level, um, it's never cost-effective. Uh, but as you move forward and say, okay, now we can kind of do this at scale – we should be able to step away from those subsidies and continue to provide valuable service that has those rewarding uh, planetary components built into it. Um, and I think, I think on the whole, we're, we're doing that. Yeah, that's great. What else do you think we should be paying attention to in, in the world of waste recycling and organics? Oh, uh, well, waste, uh, to me, as a newcomer to, to waste, um, it is remarkable uh, how many opportunities there are. I mean, it is such a challenging marketplace these days. And with China's exit, um, I think the thing that's, that's most intriguing to me, and, and probably will require some help from the government, but building indigenous you know, American capacity for cardboard and plastics and glass um, where we've we've kind of taken the easy way out and sent it over to China and, and let them do it and make the profit. Um, building those industries back up in the U.S. Uh, I think is absolutely fundamental to what we do. I, I was at a symposium with the head of, of Cal Recycle, and, and he volunteered that up and until China's imposition of their national sword program, um, California was exporting, I think, if the, I may get the number wrong, but it was 98% of their recyclables. Wow. Um, and and that's, that's not good. Um, you know, not having native capacity. We're looking for jobs. We're looking for industries um, which people can, can jump into. Um, those, those, you know, the old manufacturing jobs, I think, is, are things that people didn't want to do. But new manufacturing can do some pretty neat stuff with, with how would you make um, an indigenous cardboard industry, an indigenous plastic recycling industry um, in the United States. And that's something where I think there's going to be a lot of capital applied to that. Um, I think there has to be. Uh, the recycling model that, that we all have been living with, um, I think, is broken and, and is probably going to be broken for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see China reentering the market. I don't think this is a, a momentary thing where they just want to kind of give everybody a, a swift poke in the ribs, I think they're gone. Um, and so I think that the challenge now to us is, okay, we all still want to recycle. Um, what are you going to do with it? Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's something that, that I must, I think the, the venture capital and private equity markets um, will start addressing that pretty quickly because as prices continue to just go up and up and up, I think there'll be a lot of really interesting opportunities to do that. I think you're right. And what advice would you give to professionals entering this industry? Um, the organic side, uh, patient capital. I think, <laughs> <is> the, <laughs> Brilliant. You know, get some really good partners on the funding side, uh, and we're you know we're we're really fortunate to have have had a, a wonderful group of investors that have 
have hung in there with us. Uh, but that's, that's, uh, and I think that the, the corollary to that is do not assume that your customers are going to change their behavioral patterns uh, to accommodate your technologies. You need to change your technologies to accommodate their patterns. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. So John, what keeps you busy outside of work? <laughs> no. Well, four kids. Oh, yes. Uh, so that that helps. Um but this is this is pretty all-consuming. There's a lot of a lot of time spent uh trying to deconstruct this uh all the different challenges of it, but it it's um we've got we we're lucky to have great skiing and we take advantage of that up here um and try and try and at least keep fit in body uh, so, so, we can, so we can stay stay ready for the the weekly onslaught of challenges oh that sounds good yeah. and then i read that you you have a sneaky science background um of maybe some patents in your um toolbox yeah. do you have yeah, any i do any i never thought on? <laughs> I, I never thought that was going to be something i would do out of life but um yeah we've i've been involved in a couple of different startups and and uh in the natural language software area and um um opto acoustics uh for semiconductor again didn't didn't really plan on that but uh ended up having a, a lot of fun uh doing that and so um i do have a couple of patents i think at least three at this point um and we're we, and again we i think the application of technology is fundamental to getting over these challenges yeah. and and there is there's so many really wonderful brilliant people out there who are looking to apply their their just infinite brain power and and we're we're fortunate to be near a lot of uh, those those kids at, at MIT and Harvard and uh being able to kind of bring them into the into the process has been really exciting too. Definitely. And I think it makes it an exciting time to be in this industry. It, it is. It is. There's, I, I think in renewables in general, there's, there's so much energy. Um, and, and that's a bad pun, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's so much enthusiasm in the, in young people coming into, you know, our, we have, we have the greatest time hiring because we just have, you know, numerous candidates who are, fired up and and want to do something different and and wonderful and uh i think that's really encouraging for the industry and making them understand that waste is an enormous issue for us um and something that has immediate and long-term payback definitely uh from an employment standpoint is is great and it's that's been fun too and you're helping it to become the resource that it is right and um that's huge so that's fantastic well John thank you so much this has been so informative I can't wait for our listeners to hear this and and thanks so much for sharing all of your insights with us I appreciate it it's been great fun okay thanks John thanks so much Liz okay bye bye bye